Thank you, team. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be in his house. Amen? And I just want to welcome everyone. I, I just appreciate Dr. Chuck and his wife for uh, Bobby, all they're doing to fill in and be part of this great fellowship. So when you see them, just say, hey, we missed you. Uh, you do much better than that guy that spoke for you this week. Just kidding. And, um, but we love them and we appreciate them so much and what they're doing. Uh, I, I'm excited before I get into the word today. Uh, first of all, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate what Andrew does here and uh, love him. Uh, my wife's with us today. Lynette, just wave your hand. Our other son, Justin, wave your hand over there. And then Aaron, our daughter in love, and Melody's uh, with the children. And it's a joy to have them here. Um, I understand that November 6th, that's just around the corner, two weeks from today, you're going to have a Legacy Sunday. Uh, can I ask a question? How many of you have been attending this fellowship, say, uh, 10 years and under? 10 years and under. Okay. How many of you have been part of this body 20 years and over? Anybody? So really, in the house, everyone, okay. Well, uh, you may ask, what's so important about a Legacy Sunday? Well, uh, 40 years of Lighthouse ministry is significant. And this fellowship, I know the name changed uh, not too many years ago, Grace Community to Summit Church. Uh, this fellowship, this congregation has been in existence for 40 years. And so the you that are new, I want you to know that there is a foundation in this house that is very strong. And I go back years ago when I first met Dell and Linda Roberts, who were the founding pastors of this great uh, ministry. We met them years ago. We were youth pastoring in Anchorage, Alaska. And then when I came out here in the year 2000, I was here about six months without our family because they were still in Utah, selling our house, finishing school. So I was here six months by myself. And I ended up contacting Pastor Dell Roberts, the founding pastor, and... Um, I asked, hey, I'm in town now. I'd like to get together. He said, I want you to come to a pastor's conference that we're hosting. And so I came. It's a Friday. And I'll never forget. He opened up the meeting, and he mentioned he's going in for a biopsy because he's had some uh, stomach issues. And within weeks, he went to home with to be with the Lord. And it, it really ministered to us because we love Dell and Linda. Uh, Linda, we've had at our congregation since uh, Dell's passing, but I got to know him better because our birthdays are the same day, September 3rd, and when I found that out later in life, uh, I would contact him every September 3rd, and, hey, how you doing? Happy birthday, and so uh, I have a maybe a little sensitive spot here today, but I want you to know you're going to be celebrating 40 years of God's faithfulness. You're going to be celebrating 40 years of the presence of God that's been in this house, I'll never forget the year 2000 when I came here. A powerful presence of God Almighty was in this house. And God's going to continue to pour out His Spirit, and He wants a visitation to occur in all of our lives. How many would say amen to that? It's also a time to celebrate the impact that this body has had, not just here like in um, Centennial or Arapahoe County, or even in Denver or Colorado. Or even the United States, as far as that concerned, there's an impact that this congregation is affected around the world, and you have to understand that. And what happens overseas, you're directly related to that. 
And so I hope you'll come uh, November 6th to this Legacy Weekend. It's going to be a great time. So enough of that. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 26, I want to share from Matthew 26. And before I read our text, if I could just underscore a little background bringing us into the text that I want to read to us today. So we picture the disciples are with the Lord, Jesus, and he is implementing right there what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. In verse 31, and they're breaking the bread, which represents his body, they're drinking the cup, which represents his blood that was shed on Calvary for us. When they're done with that, they're going to the Mount of Olives, and they're gathered there together. Now, Interestingly enough, the scripture says in Luke twenty-two thirty-nine that Jesus had a habit of going to the Mount of Olives. Now, you know, Jesus wasn't from Jerusalem, but anytime he would come down and was in Jerusalem, that's where he met with his disciples. John 18, 2 says, Jesus often met there with his disciples when he was in Jerusalem. I believe the Lord had this special place. I hope all of us have a special place. You know, the Bible talks about a closet. Well, it doesn't have to be a closet. Some of you saw the movie War Room, and the lady had a closet where she, she the, the concept is you got to get alone. you got to shut the door. The Bible talks about you get in your closet, and you shut the door. See, God's not shutting the door. You have to because there are so much distractions out there. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so you got to close the door and get in that closet. The Lord had a favorite place to meet with his disciples. I hope you have one, and if you don't, that you would... Develop a special place. That's your place where you meet with the Lord. Well, the disciples met with the Lord at the Mount of Olives, which stood outside the walls of Jerusalem. And in that area where they met, pilgrims that would come. You know, the Bible talks about three different feasts of the Lord, the Lord's feasts, not Jewish feasts, three feasts that the males were supposed to come every year. Passover, more in the springtime here in our calendar. Pentecost, that late uh, 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 springtime going into summer, and then in the fall, which we just celebrated just last week, and that is the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot in Hebrew. Three times a year, the disciples were to gather, or the people from outside, and they met often right there at the Mount of Olives there, uh, in the slopes there, across from the walls of Jerusalem. So it was a place that they could gather. Now, the Mount of Olives, before I get the message, I just want to just highlight a couple things if I could. It's an important messianic prophecy place. Here's what the word says in Zechariah 14.4. Zechariah is a great book about prophecy. It says this, In that day, his feet, referring to Jesus, will stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies to the east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a huge valley. I want you to know that the day is coming. I don't know what when that day is, but there is a day, Bible prophecy declares that there is a day that the Lord himself will fight for Israel among all the nations that are wreaking havoc on it, and that day is going to come. Now, Jesus makes a, a statement here to the twelve in verse 31. He says this, this night, he's referring to the night after they had communion, they went to the Mount of Olives, he says this to them, this night you will all fall away because of me. And then he goes on to say, this from Zechariah. Now, if you know anything about Jesus when he's talking to his disciples or anybody, he's always going to the Tanakh or to the Old Testament. 
He's always bringing the Old Testament because in that day, that's all they had. And we have to understand that's very important that we don't exclude the Old Testament from our daily digest of the Scriptures. This is all the Scripture, okay, from Genesis to Revelation. How many are grateful for the Word of the Lord? Let me just hear an amen. All right. He says here in Zechariah 13, 7, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now, regarding this area of falling away, what did he mean? Well, here's how Peter responded to that. He said this, I'll never deny you. And so said all the disciples. And if you read later in that chapter, you'll discover what happens. Peter denies the Lord three times. Now, if you go to the Life Application Study Bible, they have a footnote in that verse. And here's what it says. Talk is cheap. It is easy to say we are devoted to Christ, but our claims are meaningful only when they are tested in the crucible of persecution. So a good question for us this morning as we dive into this is, how strong and solid is my faith? Is it strong enough to stand up under intense trial? So with that being leading into our text, let's look at now Matthew chapter 26, picking it up at verse 36. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Out of this passage, I'm taking as a title to this message, Going a Little Farther. And so I want to begin by talking about a place called Gethsemane, found in verse 36, a place at the foot of the Mount of Olives near Jerusalem. As early as the Byzantine era, which would be about A.D. 330 to 1543, believers have identified a general location near the bottom of the Mount of Olives along the main ascent to the Garden of Gethsemane as the master's camping site. 
And I find it interesting because as you read more into this and discover and study, this was a place that a lot of olive trees were all over the place. Now, the traditional location sits opposite the eastern gate of the temple. Reporting during the early 4th century, Eusebius says, It is located at the foot of the Mount of Olives, where even now the faithful fervently utter prayers. It was a place dedicated for prayer as well. And so now the master and his disciples pitched their camp in a grove of olive trees near the root of the mount and, of course, Kindred Valley. So it's a place known as an olive press. See, an olive press will take those olives and press so we can get oil. Olives under extreme intense pressure produce oil. Oil is symbolic of anointing. Mashiach or Messiah, or anointed one, Christ. I think it's a very fitting place, don't you think, for the Lord to be camping out in a place like that? Gethsemane is a place where you feel squeezing upon your life. Think of what the master felt as he knew he was about to face the cross. Here's a question to think about, are you feeling like you're being squeezed by the pressures of life? Maybe even for your faith. So we must concur with Paul in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We see the scene in Luke twenty-two forty-two. It says, And being in agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat, can you imagine? His sweat became the great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Intense squeezing, intense pressure coming upon him as he's crying out to God, drops of blood. It can be a place of betrayal and rejection. We know that Jesus was rejected by his people. He came to his own, his own received him not. Peter rejected him. Judas, one of his disciples, betrayed him leading up to Jesus' arrest. I don't know if you ever thought of it this way, but even the Father had to turn aside and remove his rescue team of 72,000 angels, Matthew 26, 53-54. Now all of us here can experience Rejection, betrayal at times, can't we? What will you do to gain victory over that? Gethsemane is a place of waiting for the Lord. It's very important to hear that, for the Lord. It says in verse 36, sit here while I go over there and pray. One of the best action steps you and I can take when we find ourselves, and we're going to all be there if we are not today, we'll find ourselves in the Gethsemane whenever that happens. We need to wait for the Lord. Now here's what the word of the Lord says in Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. If you need renewal in your strength, just wait for the Lord. He's going to do it. That's what he said. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That's your promise if you wait for the Lord. See, oftentimes what we do We make our plans, we implement our plans, 
But before we do, we say, God, would you bless my plans? And then when they don't go very good, we just want to blame somebody. No, no, no. What we want to do is back up here, and we want to wait for the Lord. We want to have Him impart to us what it is He wants us to do, what the strategy of heaven is for my situation. And then when I get that, then... I would go for it. But waiting for the Lord is sometimes difficult, isn't it? Sometimes it's difficult to wait for because we want it now. We want to make the decision right now. But the word of the Lord says, they that wait for the Lord. I'm going to encourage all of us, you that are in line, wait for the Lord. He's got something he wants to impart to you even today. Don't rush ahead of it. Wait for the Lord. Gethsemane is what I'm talking about. It's a place of watching. He says here in verse 38, remain here and watch with me. Being aware of what is going on around you is critical. The word of the Lord says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded. I mean, that's clear-minded. From all distraction, I got a clear mind. I can see clearly now. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I have to tell you, this is not the most encouraging word you're going to hear today, but it's true. The devil is not concerned about carnal Christians. He's not concerned about lukewarm Christians. But I tell you what, those that really seek him first, those that are true followers of the Lord. Not just believers, but they follow the Lord. I want you to know that you are on his hit list. Not the most exciting news to hear today, I know, but it's true. He is after you, but guess what? I got great news. You that know the Lord know that greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. You got nothing to worry about is what I'm trying to say. But watch, be watching. See, here the Lord was about to demonstrate a mentoring moment. He wanted them to be eyewitnesses of one of the most difficult moments of life on earth for him. That he was going to be taken I'm sure they didn't handcuff him, but he tied his arms. They did something. They were about to see their Lord and Savior be taken. Gethsemane is a place of praying. No wonder the Lord always met there when he came down from Galilee. He was always meet down at the Mount of Olives, the lower part. I don't know if you've ever been to Israel. I've been there a few times, but when you're up there looking down, it's beautiful. And they're down there. I can just see it now. Calling out to the Father is a big part of Gethsemane. Seeking the will of the Father. He says in 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. See, the disciples needed to be in prayer, engaging in spiritual warfare with the Master. The battle between flesh and spirit characterizes the life of allegiance to Jesus. And every true disciple knows the struggle. You that follow the Lord, you know the struggle between the spirit and the flesh. It's a battle, isn't it? Wouldn't you wish it could just go away today and never appear again, but it's going to be like that every day of your life until he comes and deals with all this. Amen? It's a place of change. History was forever changed at Gethsemane. Your history can change once you leave your Gethsemane experience. 
We all face a Gethsemane sometime in our life, and maybe some today, whether online or in this room, you're facing a Gethsemane. The greatest trials can lead you to your greatest victory if you do not give in or up too soon. That can be the problem. We give up just too soon. I'm encouraging you, whatever it is, don't give up too soon. Hang in there just a little bit longer. God allows Gethsemane experiences to grow us. Hundred grant for that. To show us that going a little further towards Him will result in greater intimacy and victory. Treasure Matthew 28, 20. It says, I am with you always. I said, I am with you always. Not me, the Lord made that promise. He's with all of you, always. Praise be to his name. Now I want to take us a little further into this message. That's Gethsemane. Let's look at imagery of the temple. Now I don't know when it was the last time. You just Googled or maybe you have a resource in your library at home that you looked at the, either the, the tabernacle of Moses or, or the temple that Solomon built, and just, just kind of look at its layout and, and the different furniture and understand there's really three steps to it. And the first one is where I'm kind of bringing some imagery from the text that I just read. First of all, we have the disciples being together after they left the room and they were down at Mount Olives. The group together is imagery of the outer court, the place where the people gather. The outer court is the first step to get closer to the Lord. Now, how many know that Jesus extends invitation? He gives the invitation to come to him. John 7, 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. This morning, if you are thirsty for more of the Lord, if you're hungry for more of the Lord, I want you to know that he will fill you and you will have your needs supplied through him. Jesus calls us to come to him. He offers the kingdom of life to those who call upon him. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord, today could be your day. If you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, this would be the best day of your life, the beginning of the rest of your life. And that can be done today if you choose to do so. Like the disciples, we too can be in the outer court, a place that we can become familiar with, a distance from his presence, but close enough to say there must be more. The outer court. Then I take us a little farther, and we have the three disciples, Peter, James, and John. And they're the ones that go a little further with the Lord. Now, that's imagery of the holy place. The holy place is where we get acquainted with the things of God. It's a place where we can move into a closer position towards honoring God. The holy place is a good place to experience, but it will, and it will bring a closer to the Messiah. So the question is, do you desire to be closer to Jesus today? Everyone in this room, you have the capacity for more of the Lord in your life. I've not met one person that can say, I don't need any more of God in my life. 
I have everything I need. No, no, no. You have the capability and the capacity to have more of his presence in your life if you want it. That was a good place for an amen. Just kidding. Sometimes we get too content and comfortable with where our kingdom life is at. Do you desire to be closer to Jesus? The holy place can leave you with a hunger for more. Aren't you grateful for the hunger of God? I, I just, I don't know about you, but there, there, I, I hunger for more of the Lord in my life. I hunger for more. I come to the third imagery here, and that's the Lord himself, where he says, and going a little farther. This is imagery of the holy of holies, the place where the high priest entered every year to make atonement. We just celebrated Yom Kippur, which was just, just a few weeks ago, where we, we understand the significance of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But I am so grateful today that we can come before the Lord anytime and ask Him to forgive us of our sins. Are you grateful for that today? That if, if, if you know, if there's something going on in your life that you know that you need to confess to the Lord, you, can, you don't have to wait. There's not one day. Any day is a good day to do that. Here we are. The Lord said, I'm going to go a little further. And I'm saying it's like the Holy of Holies. It's the place of transparency. And it's also a time of desperate crying out to God. A place where we cry out and bear our soul. The scripture says three times, Jesus went before the Father to say, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. See, he saw the cup of suffering and death before him. Let me ask you something. Do you enjoy being in the secret place with God? A place of closeness. A place where he speaks to you. The Holy of Holies truly is attractive to true worshipers. It's a place you want to be and you don't want to leave it. It's a place of true impartation from above. I encourage all of us to go for that Holy of Holies place. Lastly, I just want to touch on for a few minutes going a little farther. Three times Jesus went a little farther into the Holy of Holies to be with the Father. Some of the best news today for you and I is that when Jesus went to the cross and when he said, it is finished, not only did the grounds tremble, but that curtain that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies was torn into, separated. So you and I today don't have to go to a priest. I mean, nothing wrong with a minister to talk and have prayer together, but we go and confess. We talk, we worship, we pray. We can go directly to the Lord right now because of what he did on the cross. Each time Jesus comes to Peter and James and John, what does he find? He finds them sleeping. This is a picture of the church in the last days. 
Are we in the last days? Listen, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. Acts 2 says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. God's spirit has been poured out that long ago, that experience of the upper room where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that say to you and me? That tells me that we are living in the last of the last days. And of course, if you're going to line it up with God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. So we can't put parameters on that. But I'm just telling you, we're living in the last of the last days. Scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.6, So then let us not sleep as the others do, but let us remain on the alert, sober-minded and self-disciplined. This is the call for us today, that we here in this room today and those online would be alert. If we're ever in a time, it's now that we need to be alert and sober-minded. There are so many things going before us, I can't keep up with it. All the transitions in our nation and so much of it wants to go against the plan and purposes that God has for us. We need to be alert, my friends. We best be alert, sober-minded, and it's going to take self-discipline. Things are happening fast. Do you not agree with me on that? Things are happening so fast, you're hearing this this and this and this, and you're saying, how can that be? How could that be passed? How is, it, how is that possible? The blessed hope is around the corner. And it is my prayer, everyone online and everyone in this room knows the Lord Jesus personally, that when he comes, you're going up. That's my prayer. Romans 13, 11 validates says, besides this, you know the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first came to trust. I want you to know that your salvation, whenever that occurred in your life, the fulfillment of that is nearer now than it's ever been. What God has prepared for those that love Him, it's nearer now than it's ever been. Any believer, listen to me, this very, I'm getting ready to finish this up. Any believer, I don't care who it is up here or there or anywhere, or how, if they're on TV and wherever or on media, it doesn't matter. Any believer can slip into a sleeping state with the Lord. Hear what I'm saying. Anybody. Sleeping means you're not seeing. And I'm talking in the spirit now. We're not seeing, we're not hearing, we're not feeling, we're not moving in the divine purposes of God. That's a dangerous place to be. Listen to this quote by Dr. Henry Blackaby. Do you not already hear the warnings of God? Do you not see that the enemy is coming in like a flood? And God is trying to raise up a standard against it. And you and I are that standard. Listen, I want you to know that your responsibility in the kingdom is more than just you know, even volunteering here or sitting in a pew. I mean, you are an ambassador of the Most High God. You're a representative of the kingdom of God. And that standard that we're coming against is you and I standing up for righteousness. You and I are saying, this is God's blueprint for life. 
This is his roadmap to heaven. This is how a person is supposed to live their life on this earth till he comes. Everything out there screams against this. And you and I have to make a decision. Am I going to follow the word of the Lord, the life of a believer? Going a little further is an action call for the body of Messiah. Here's a call to action that I want to leave with you. I want to pray in just a minute, but I want you to think about this as, as we're coming now to a close here. It's a time that each of us must search our own heart and ask, am I sleeping spiritually? Or am I watching and praying, pursuing true intimacy with the Father to be empowered to press through the most difficult challenges I face? We are in a season, friends, that we must be on the A game, filled with His Spirit, having Him in us, following His voice. He said, my sheep will hear my voice. There's a lot of voices out there trying to distract us. There's a lot of things that can work against us to get us sleeping. And God is saying, I want you to wake up. I want you to come alive in your faith. I want you to follow me like never before. If you don't know the Lord, today is the best day. If you've been away from the Lord, this is a great day. There's no better day than right now just to come to the Lord as you are. He takes us just the way we are. I'm going to pray and I'm going to just let you, let the Holy Spirit lead you because the call to action, He may be saying to you, hey, wake up. Listen to what's being said. The opportunity is now to awaken. If that's your desire, you can do that. You say, Lord, awaken my spirit. I want to see. I want to hear. I want to move. I want to feel. I want to follow the divine purposes you have for me and not someone else or anything else. There's going to be prayer teams on the side here that are willing to pray with you. If God is stirring your heart, maybe you don't know the Lord, and today is the day you say, you know, I really want to turn my life completely over to the Lord. He's been working on me, and I don't know why I avoid it, but today I don't want to avoid it any longer. I want to come to Him. Prayer ministers are going to minister to you if you let them. There's communion elements there for you to come. Uh, every time I take the bread and the cup, He says, do this in remembrance of me. Maybe some of you want to take communion and just thank Him for His goodness in your life. You want to thank Him for the provision that He has made on the cross for you. There's a cross over there. There's a hammer, nails, and a sheet of paper. You can write there whatever that request is that's between you and God. And you can nail it up there. He says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. And there's something on your heart. Listen, if it's concerning you, it's concerning the Father. And you take it over there. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to let Holy Spirit see the Spirit of the Lord is in here. And if you will let him do what he's stirring in your heart right now, it's going to be a great day for you. Don't quench the spirit. Do not quench it. Let him complete on this gathering. We'll never have a gathering like this again. Let's let him have his way. Let, let me pray with you. Father, I just want to thank you that you're in this house. 
And there's a call to action. True followers and believers of the Lord are called to action. We're not called to sit back. We're called to move forward. Advancement is your strategy. You want your kingdom to advance all over the world before you return. And I pray a blessing, O God, over each one here. I pray that you would bless and that you would keep each one, that you'd make your face shine upon them and that you'd be gracious to them, that you'd lift up your countenance upon them, give them your shalom, your peace. And in this moment, Holy Spirit, if there's someone that really needs to come back to you or turn their life over to you or they just they need prayer, they need to come alongside of somebody, may they do so. For someone that really just wants to commune with you, fellowship with you, Lord, release that in them. Someone that's carrying a heavy load. They got something they need to nail to the cross and seal it up and said, it is finished. May it happen today. And Lord, if there's anyone in this house that is going through a Gethsemane, they feel the squeezing, life being sucked right out of them. They feel portrayed. Lord, they, they, they feel abandoned. Lord, they need you today to be encouraged. I pray, oh God, if someone needs healing today, regardless of where it is in their body, Lord, there are aches and pains that they want to be set free from that. You provided healing in the atonement, Lord, I pray it would be released in this place. Someone needs to be set free. Maybe there's a bondage, maybe there's a stronghold that's just keeping people from really surrendering. Oh God, I pray in your name, break it off of them all to be free today. Whatever it is, oh God, you said you'd supply all of our needs. So we come before you today in humility and we say, Lord, have your way and complete the work that you've started in all of our lives. I ask this in the glorious name of Jesus. I want to encourage you to take action and allow the Holy Spirit to direct you. And if anybody wants special prayer for healing, I'm just going to kind of hang out over here. I'd be happy to pray for you. God bless you.